Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Good afternoon. It is Friday, July 2nd, and you've tuned in to Noon Edition. I'm Stan Jastrzewski, and with me in studio are four men whose voices should sound familiar to you if you are a listener to our weekly Ask the Mayor program. Sitting from left to right uh, in front of me and on your radio dial, Kokomo Mayor Greg Goodnight, <laughs> Bloomington Mayor Mark Cruzan, Columbus Mayor Fred Armstrong, Terre Haute Mayor Duke Bennett. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. We appreciate you coming in Thank on this you. Friday no afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us. Mayor Armstrong, sorry we're keeping you off the golf course. That's OK. You know, I'll get one in sometime. <laughs> Don't have to worry about that. That's nice dedication. weekend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You, the listener, can join our Ask All the Mayors Noon Edition program today by calling 812-855-0811 if you're close to our Bloomington studio here. Or you can dial toll-free from anywhere at 877-285-9348. Or you can leave a comment on our website, which is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Well, we are about four months away from what a lot of people have said could be a kind of rare, game-changing midterm election. So I wanted to ask each of you how you're all involved in the discussions that are taking place over the next few months that could affect that election and, and what is at stake in the election as far as each of your cities uh, is concerned. Mayor Bennett, why don't we start with you? Well, there, I think there's a lot of things going on. This is probably one of the most interesting years I've seen in a while. I mean, of course, the Obama mania and everything that came with him getting elected was pretty big in our county and our city. But now you can kind of see a whole shift, and the, and the Tea Party is big in our community, which has been very interesting. And I think that all the things that people are talking about um, with, you know, government doing what it's supposed to do, a smaller government, that kind of a thing is what I hear a lot. We're having to do that with our budget cuts that we're doing. But I think you're going to see some interesting things out of Vigo County and Terre Haute along those lines. I think you're going to see a big shift in the way the voters are, are, are positioned. And, you know, everybody's playing their games and talking up the, you know, and trying to position themselves. And I think at the end of the day, it's good for our community to, to really uh, see a two-party system at work. We've not had that a lot in the past. And I think it's very healthy. I think people are really stepping up and getting involved more than they have ever in the past. And I'm just, you know, how it affects Terre Haute will be remains to be seen. But from our perspective and how we're doing things, we've got to stay focused on uh, staying within our budget. And that's what it revolves around, everything we talk about. I'm next. Okay, good. Well, I'm not sure how it's going to affect Columbus uh, per se, but it will affect Bartholomew County, which uh, I guess there is an effect. But the Tea Party group, uh, the very, very, very conservative groups uh, are uh, voicing their opinions and they're being heard. And uh, just last year or actually for this year, the county passed our edit tax, which has been a blessing for us and in the county, uh, by the way, but it appears that the candidates running uh, uh, in the fall uh, on the, uh, quote, Republican Tea Party side um, are against the edit tax. So that may go away uh, come uh, first of next year. So and that will affect uh, our budgets and it will affect the county. And, you know, the state of Indiana, their decline in revenue, they're not able to help the cities as much uh, because of their decline. So anything that we can do locally uh, is going to benefit us, especially in the economic development arena. And if we have uh, those dollars available for uh, uh, possibly new jobs, it would be great. So uh, I have a feeling that uh, uh, the at least two uh, will win uh, in the fa- this fall and uh, maybe one uh, – uh, will not, but it still is going to be close um, in that particular arena. But, you know, maybe that's good. Maybe it's time that uh, uh, we have a different view uh, in uh, counties and in cities. And since I'm not running again, it's easy for me to say that. But uh, uh, it's uh, it's going to be different, and um, I'm just look, uh, looking forward to the November election. In Bloomington, I don't detect any anti-incumbent feel uh, for either party uh, when you – you look at – and it's real important to remember we've got local elections and then we've got the state legislative elections as well as the federal. Um, on the other hand, I don't feel that excitement that we had in this community because of the Obama effect and the college students won't be 
as involved in this upcoming election cycle as they were, uh, and not just the college students. I just think there's there is less uh, momentum than there was this time two years ago. So I don't I don't really detect any kind of feel that our incumbents are in jeopardy simply because they're incumbents. The things I look look at in terms of the impact on the city of Bloomington, one is the uh, congressional race. I mean, Baron Hill has done an awful lot to help this city and uh, and what direction that takes Congress uh, in, in what happens nationally. And, and I think I absolutely would agree with uh, the other statements that were made about the impact of the state legislature. And I'm very concerned about that rollover effect on, on municipalities uh, on all levels. The economic development level is has already started to suffer. I mean, we're already seeing tightening of rules on eligibility for uh, incentive packages. And obviously in this community, probably the biggest you know, political and policy story is the school referendum. And that's the direct result of state action or inaction, depending on how you want to characterize it. And that's coming at the same time we've got the constitutional amendment on the tax caps. So you've got people being asked to go to the polls in what appears to be a diametrically opposed um, proposals. Don't tax me, tax me. (laughs) <laughs> and trying to get that message across is going to be a difficult one uh, in both cases and especially in, in this economy. And, um, and when, I, when I look at the, the legislative races, I'm not as – you know, we've obviously got Matt Pierce, Peggy Welch's races up this year. But the races that will affect us aren't just those two. It's statewide. It's whatever happens in uh, these other gentlemen's districts and around the state will determine who it is who's deciding on, for instance, this university's budget uh, levels in, in upcoming years. So it's, even the state, we should be watching not just locally but statewide to see what the impact is going to be on our own community. Yeah, Kokomo is um, in a unique situation. We, uh, our, our city is split just about 50-50 uh, between two congressional districts. We have uh, Congressman Joe Donnelly that represents the north uh, half of Kokomo and Representative Dan Burton that represents the south part of Kokomo and the remaining uh, parts of Howard County. So um, that race, uh, I think uh, Congressman Burton is, is uh, very safe. I think he'll, uh, he'll do fine. Um, I have uh, I believe Congressman Donnelly will will, will probably uh, win that. And, and as far as how he has represented uh, Howard County, he's done a great job. He's been there every time we've needed him. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping uh, that uh, you know he's just done. He deserves to be reelected. As far as I'm concerned, the uh, state house we have a highly contested state house race um, with uh, our, our incumbent uh, Ron Harrell and uh, one of our city council members uh, who's in his second term, Mike Kirikoff. And uh, that's going to be an interesting one to, to watch because uh, that district is uh, probably a 50-50 or close to it uh, district. Um, some of the local races we have, uh, I don't think the anti-incumbency is going to come too much into play. Uh, we'll have, we have an open seat in the sheriff's uh, office and, and – um, the candidates, uh, three, we actually have a three-way race and they are all uh, sheriff department employees. And uh, so th- I think that will be probably the most interesting local race. Uh, the others, I'm not sure uh, that the uh, anti-incumbency is going to come into play. As we've spoken to lawmakers over the last couple of years at the State House, they have increasingly told us openly and to our faces, we're tired of being the ones who are accused of uh, raising taxes, cutting jobs, et cetera. And so we're going to start putting that onus on the local leaders, the mayors, the city councils, the county councils. Uh, what does that do to your day-to-day work and what has that done to your day-to-day work as as mayors? Mayor Goodnight, why don't we start with you? Sure. Well, I, I, miss, I guess I missed the part where the legislature – and I apologize to Mayor Cruzan who served in that body. <laughs> but I, I missed the part where they actually uh, made some of the tough decisions that affected local government. <laughs> I, I, I picked up on the part where they uh, pushed it to local government. Um, but yeah, they're uh, – 
you know, they have put it on local government at all levels and as Mayor Cruzan mentioned, the school systems and, and we've uh, – our, our school systems in Howard County have, uh, obviously have some challenges uh, because of those decisions and uh, we've had to uh, – because of that and the soft economy, we've had to um, make some very difficult decisions in city government and uh, – Feel like we've we've uh, maybe made our way through that um, in the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, I feel like they have pushed it on us um, probably more so than they should. And um, but we're you know that's that's I just don't expect that to change uh, regardless of how uh, either chamber uh, changes this election. Well, that's a very good point. Is is the the partisan makeup of of the legislature or even of the governor's office and in at least the 20 years that I've observed, it hasn't made much of a difference. If you go look at the laundry list of mandates, you know, put them in two columns, which ones are funded, which ones are unfunded and um, that kind of answers the question as to where the burden has fallen and that's true. I mean, when I was in the legislature, you could see it happening and we talked a lot about home rule and I gave many a speech talking about what we talk about home rule. Uh, but the only time that we give locals authority is when it's to uh, come up with the money to meet a mandate that we're uh, we're passing on. And I mean, whatever, even even things like public safety, you know, what we're going to mandate that our police officers have to include in their training. I mean, even things that you would think would be easy to fund w- went unfunded. My greatest concern, though, is the. Uh, is that anybody could claim that this year when we're seeing this incredible restructuring now of how our school system is going to be funded. You know, first of all, we have claims and, and this is somewhat of a partisan thing to say I suppose but we have claims by uh, the governor saying that we haven't raised taxes um, and you know, when I go buy something, my sales tax has increased. So we have raised taxes. Now we have shifted the burden and unfortunately what we found is with this economy, the sales tax isn't producing enough to make up for the deficit created by not fully funding the schools. And that it's – it's an extremely dangerous way to go. Um, we are going to once again see this crazy quilt pattern of funding around the state and it will depend on where you live. Uh, Will, will determine the quality of your education. And I start to see that's going to be the same when it comes to city services or county services, but local government service, you know, where you live. And it's always been that way, but I think it will get worse and worse as uh, more and more taxing authority is expected of locals. And we need what we need is statewide leadership, and that's not aimed at the governor. That's aimed at all governors. That's aimed at all legislators, both parties. Uh, you've got to have a, a plan for for the state. Well, I guess I should echo everything that's been said so far. Again, I agree. It's not the parties. Uh, it's the people. Uh, in those particular parties that seem like uh, they uh, just don't want to get in a room and work together. You know, lo- uh, local government, we all sit in a room and we work things out. We may not agree with each other from time to time, but, you know, at the end of the day, we can shake hands and, and get the community going forward. It seems as though uh, when it gets to the state level and our friends in Washington, D.C., it doesn't work uh, near as well. But, uh, uh, you know... Uh, if it's local government, let it be local government. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the edit tax, I can't pass an edit tax. The county, you know, has to pass that tax, uh, and then they get the blame, or sometimes both the mayor and the county council gets the blame. That's that's okay, but give us that authority to do that. Give us the tools that we should be able to pass on, if at all possible. It's been very difficult the last two years. Uh, in Columbus, we had the flood, and then the uh, global economy hit, and and people aren't happy. They just are generally unhappy about everything and anything. And uh, we have some pretty good services in Columbus, and they're changing a little bit. And uh, people aren't very happy about that. But, you know, you have to do what you have to do to uh, get things going in the right direction. And so far, I think we're going to be in good shape. We We've cut about $8.3 million out of our budget uh, the last two years, and uh, we did add an edit tax. Uh, and I'll say we, and I'll take uh, pride in saying that I supported it. Uh, but uh, what we have done, we certainly lowered our budget, but still there's people out there that are just upset because now uh, 
uh, I think what uh, Mayor Guzan had mentioned uh, about shifting of the burden on taxes, and that's what's being done. You shift from a, a property tax to a user fee. And uh, uh, the state of Indiana with the sales tax, I can't remember the number of billions of dollars now. They're, they uh, said it's not coming in that they thought would come in, and we sometimes are in the same boat. Here's what we think uh, will be coming in, and by golly, it didn't come in. Well, how do you survive? Well, you cut back spending, and that also upsets uh, the general public. So they want everything, just like me, but don't want to pay for it. And uh, that's part of our jobs to to get that going. And uh, I've had a lot of fun and had a, uh, worked very hard, but uh, it's different today than what it was a few years ago. Well, I would say that um, I, I agree with uh, you know Mayor Goodnight talking about. I'm not sure they're making the tough decisions there because they, the tough decisions are made at the local level without any question. And it's frustrating because and I agree with Mayor Armstrong that we need some options locally. And as an example, a food and beverage tax would be something we'd love to explore in Vigo County because we're a major retail destination. We have a ton of people that come in to eat and shop and visit from Illinois and elsewhere. I mean, we draw from a very, very large area. And we'd like that to be able to have that discussion locally and put it on the table and see if the community would support that. Well, we don't have that option. We know we've got a Kajit and Edit tax. Um, they don't want to do the, the local option income tax. The county council doesn't. You know, it's an election year. It's always an election year, it seems like. And so they don't even want to talk about it. No public discussion at all. So what do I end up having to do is, you know, cut 23% of our general fund budget because of the property tax caps. And I have no other option except to make the cuts. There's no other alternatives. And it's frustrating as a mayor because you just don't have those tools available to you. And, you know, and then I talk to the legislators and they're like, well, you know, most of the, well, I would say about 99% of them in our area all are opposed to the constitutional amendment to change the, the property tax caps. And so, but it doesn't do much, much good. We all sit over there and agree with it. And then I listen to everybody in the community saying, well, why aren't you cutting the grass in Deming Park as an example? Well, because we can't. I had to lay off about eight, eight employees out of the parks department this year. And I can't cut as much grass. And it seems like such a simple thing, but everybody notices that. And I think it's going to take a couple of years here for them to really see as, as cities go through their reserves and they make some changes, they'll start seeing those services drop off. It's just not immediate. They're not seeing it now. So, well, I don't understand the big impact. We'd like to have some help from Indianapolis just to say, here are some options for your community. You decide how you want to fund these kind of services. And that's all I'm asking for. We have our first phone caller of the afternoon, a regular caller to Mayor Cruzan's appearances on Ask the Mayor. Stan is on the phone. Thanks for calling into Noon Edition. Thank you. I, I'm really um, puzzled by this idea of the devolution of taxation to smaller and smaller government entities where the state is, is in a far better position to fund the, the general welfare, uh, school systems especially, but in any case, uh, I wanted to suggest, uh, actually it's my wife's suggestion, that in, in these communities that have uh, school funding referendums, that we generate more or less uniform yard signs for those of us who support it to, to help get the message out uh, to the general public who, who may not be paying attention. That's all I have to say. All right, Stan, thanks for your call. Uh, and and actually, this the referendum idea is one that we were talking about before the program and of the communities represented here. Only Bloomington has one at the moment. Um, and uh, it goes back to this idea we were talking about a minute ago of the the, the patchwork quilt that uh, you were talking about, Mayor Cruzan, of, and, and it really is going to be the haves and the have-nots um, economically and it's going to extend to all of the different things, to the schools, to who gets to mow the grass in the parks, to all of these different things. Uh, how big a worry is that to all of you that your communities are going to have to be among the haves somehow if you want to survive? Are you not? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, in Kokomo, obviously, uh, we're very concerned about that. We've went through um, probably – I say this is uh, the last couple of years as, as tough if not uh, the toughest uh, economic uh, climate um, in, this, in the state. We uh, – you know, obviously tied to manufacturing, specifically automotive, um, and then you know the uh, Chrysler uh, 
uh, restructuring. Uh, we they uh, failed to pay uh, about uh, six million dollars of property taxes last year. That we were able to make enough cuts uh, last year to um, not have to borrow to to get through the year. They uh, we re- did reach an agreement for them to repay that starting uh, a portion of it next year. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm very concerned about that. We have downsized. Um, I talked about when I took over, we had over 520 full-time city employees. We're running the city with about 450. So it's about uh, 12, uh, 14 percent or so uh, less employees, which is is our biggest cost. It's well over 60 percent of the budget is for uh, uh, personnel costs for both, a, uh, both active and retired employees. Um, but yes, I feel like you know the, the, we've made those changes um, now. Uh, honestly, I feel better this year than I did last year. We've, uh, as Mayor Armstrong talked about, it, it is a little bit of a different climate, uh, but we feel like we've weathered the worst part of it uh, in, in Kokomo, and um, we feel like we have some opportunities. We had a nice announcement uh, this week about uh, finally. Uh, after years, Indiana University, Kokomo, uh, we've got a private developer that wants to put student housing in uh, directly across the street from the campus uh, that will go before our uh, uh, plan commission uh, for rezoning um, here on uh, the 13th. So you know, we feel like there's starting to be some investments made in Kokomo. Uh, we've weathered the worst part and we're working on our quality of life. Some We've focused a lot of attention to the parks and, and our walk, our, uh, walk paths uh, this year. And so – I. I, I'm always concerned about uh, slipping back, and, and uh, but um, I feel right now I, I, I'm, I'm very confident that, that uh, we can uh, really change the uh, situation in our city for uh, you know and have it be a, a long-term benefit. What about the uh, the, the other side of this uh, haves and have not issue? Is it bigger? Is bigger better in this case? I mean, are you all? A better positioned being uh, mayors of cities that are in the top 20 in, in population in the state or is it going to be easier for mayors of smaller cities which don't have the large budgets and the large number of employees that all of you oversee? Uh, I mean is this going to be a problem that disproportionately affects one size municipality versus another do you think? Well, I guess it's all in percentages. You know, if you're a large city, you have the same problems per se. Now, um, it takes more money, it takes more dollars, it takes more salesmanship. The bottom line, in my opinion, it's been touched on uh, the, today is the educational part. When you talk about the haves and the have-nots, many of the reasons for the have-nots are the educational part of it. And if we continue to cut education and uh, uh, educational opportunities. Uh, we are not going to have an educated workforce uh, when the time comes, when things start coming around again, and they will. They may not be what they were at one point, but they will get better. And if you're sitting back there and uh, the people aren't being educated to take over the jobs that uh, 30 years ago you uh, put an application in at Cummins at a high school and it was a, a no-brainer. You worked there for 30 years and things went on. Today, uh, just to run the equipment that they have uh, takes a special education, special training. And those are the ones that uh, uh, you have to work with because the ones that – let's use the, the term haves. In those instances, they're going to make it. The haves are going to make it. Their kids are going to be okay. They're going to have opportunities. It's the so-called have-nots. What opportunities are they going to have? And we need to give them as many opportunities as possible to to get a good job. Uh, again, education still, uh, although I have nothing to do with education in my community per se, I also know if you don't have a good educational system, you're not going to have a good community. So uh, I think the the haves and the have-nots, the have-nots are going to have to work a little harder and we're going to have to work with them a little bit harder to, to get them an opportunity. Uh, the smaller cities, smaller towns, uh, they're still going to be operating. I don't know if they're going to be operating in the same manner that we do. We do have a higher education in our community where some towns don't have that, but they certainly don't have to drive very far to get it. But we just have to give them that opportunity, and I think that uh, there's where we're missing the boat just a little bit. Well, I would just say a, a couple things when you talk about the haves and the have-nots. When the bigger cities, I think what's hard about it is it's hard. The structure's been built for so long, and you've delivered whatever services you deliver. You've got the infrastructure in place, 
And when you lose a big part of your budget and you have to make those changes, it's not only hard organizationally to ramp that down, but it is hard to get people to understand why you're doing that. I mean, people love the fact that their property taxes went down, but they still, in a lot of cases, are not getting the connection with, okay, in Vigo County, they took in $15 million less this year than they took in last year. That means the airport, the library, the county, the city, we are all, we have $15 million less to operate with. And so, once again, I mentioned earlier, some of them don't see it quite yet, but it's coming. And from my perspective, I want to sell Terre Haute. I want people to be, have it be clean. I want the grass to be cut in our parks. I and mean, we've got 30 city parks that we take care of, and they're, they're beautiful. We're really very proud of them. But if you got to start cutting back on things and we bring people through Terre Haute and say, hey, we want you to locate your business here and things don't look very clean, they don't look neat, the streets aren't being paved, those are the things that will affect us in economic development down the road. It's going to be harder to sell the community. So it's kind of that balancing act between – do you invest? Where do you put that money? What you got left? And you've got to put it in public safety. You've got to take care of the streets. And you've got to keep things looking, you know, inviting to those businesses. And so I think the bigger the city, the more things you're going to see, the services cut back, it's going to be much more noticeable than it will be in the smaller communities because the expectation wasn't there. It's just frustrating because we just don't have the tools to react. All we can do is make cuts and find ways to uh, do the best you can with what you got. And most people would say, well, yeah, we all do that. But it's difficult to get everybody to on the same page with that. I think Duke has hit on what I – you know, I, I've really grown to believe, at least understand and believe that civic pride is actually a marketable commodity. And it's important within your community uh, because I think there is that sense in some, some some small towns that have died in the vine of you start to give up. You You see – the next generation has given up on the community because it can't take care of itself, so they move on, and the community uh, can't sustain itself. And you know everything's relative, not not just relative. I, I can look at Bloomington's economy versus uh, Terre Haute, Columbus, Kokomo, and, and we all have different kind of challenges. We've had a much more gradual decline in our manufacturing sector. We've lost it. We're losing it still, uh, but it wasn't the that shock to the system that uh, that a Kokomo had to survive. We didn't have to go through, you know, a flood uh, that cost that city, you know, millions of millions of dollars. Um, and and then also just within Bloomington, within this city, looking at what what Duke talked about, basic services, basic services continue to get more expensive, but your funding stream continues to diminish, and. You know, the scary part of, of this job to me is that we all can see what's coming. You, you can see looking out years ahead, this is not a sustainable way to do business. You know, we're going to have to either increase a lot of fees and we have limited, really a limited number of fees you can possibly increase in any reasonable fashion uh, or you're going to have to cut costs. And that's what people would generally say. Well, then you should cut your costs. You can only do that so far before you really are starting to then cut services. And when you look at the basic services that city government provides, there would be very few people who would look at it who would say you need to cut your costs, stop spending, who would come in and you say, what would you have us stop spending on? Now, there will be an occasional project that someone will be upset about or feel that we didn't need to fix that fountain or whatever it might be. None of that will ever add up to real dollars. It's only going to come in personnel. And that's why you see around the state police fire being laid off. And it's certainly not, not the first choice, uh, but it's what happens. And I am extremely concerned. And, and, you know, Fred mentioned we don't have a managerial role in our school system. Uh, but it, it's going to have an, a huge economic development impact on every community. And uh, that's why I, mean, I intend to be active in this local referendum. And b- back to the question that, that Stan's wife asked is, yes, you know, we are going to have that kind of standardized campaign. It's interesting. When we run campaigns, uh, we're the candidate. We have a campaign manager. We have volunteers. The school referendum doesn't, doesn't necessarily have that. There's not an identifiable person. You know, it's going to have to be the community that steps forward and and uh, and initiates that that effort, uh, and there'll be those of us who've run campaigns in both parties who will help to lead that. But it's going to take the community to run it, and I think 
they are investing in themselves when they invest in the schools. Well, I, I want to pick this up in a minute, but right now we have reached the bottom of the hour here on Noon Edition, and uh, we need to take a quick break. You can join our conversation by calling 812-855-0811 or 877-285-9348. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. We'll be back shortly. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. We are back on Noon Edition. We have our four guests from Ask the Mayor on today's program. Greg Goodnight, Mark Cruzan, Fred Armstrong, and Duke Bennett are with us. You can join the program at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also send us an email by going to wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And we do have a phone caller. Wayne has called in. Wayne, thanks for calling. What would you like to ask our mayors? I'd like to ask about operating cities on lower budgets. Because, yes, the tax, the tax revenues are not as great. How much pushback would you get from city unions if you asked for volunteer help? For, for, for real city uh, people with good city spirit, you know, that, that would actually increase the, the, the spirit of the city, the, the, the loyalty to our city. Uh, to come clean the parks. Now, you can't have them pave the streets, but you can't have them clean the parks, maybe, maybe clean, uh, clean around the gutters, you know, the streets and stuff like that. And uh, take some real pride in their city, so you get you get two um, two positive uh, uh, two, two positive benefits. One, you get some increased city spirit, and the other one is you do it at reduced cost. Well, let's let our, our former union uh, exec field that question. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. For, well, I want to say uh, on two two parts of that before we get into the uh, with the situation with city employees, government employees, and their unions. First of all, we went through a situation. We did a downtown revitalization this spring. We put uh, we pulled out all eleven stoplights, went uh, two way streets on a couple of streets. We put pedestrian bump outs, very similar to uh, what you would see in Bloomington, with flowers on the corners. We uh, forty four of them. We did get uh, volunteers in the community, uh, businesses uh, mainly, to um, to pay to sponsor each one of those bump outs. So we had all 44 that uh, both newspapers, a couple of our real estate groups, uh, some private businesses. So we've tried to engage uh, uh, people to volunteer to help um, beautify our city and, and we were successful at that. When um, – Obviously, we had to make some some personnel changes. A, a lot of it was with our fire department. We had an ambulance service that competed with our two uh, private hospitals, and uh, it, it, we made those changes. Shifted. We were making about twenty five percent of the ambulance runs. We discontinued that service uh, with the uh, uh, guarantee, and they've they've. It's been over a year now. Uh, our hospitals have picked up that extra – they added a, an extra ambulance at one of the hospitals and we've been able to do that uh, and not disrupt services um, in the city of Kokomo. And, and in, but it, the downside was we had to lay off about 14 firefighters. Uh, when we were in those discussions, we talked about that. I found that uh, over uh, half, almost two-thirds of our fire, city firefighters did not live in the city of Kokomo, did not pay city taxes. And a few of them have actually ran volunteer fire departments in some of the neighboring uh, uh, townships. And I talked to them. I said, uh, well, so-and-so's fire chief and, and is involved in the fire department in these other communities. Um, how about this? Uh, why, why, why don't all our firefighters, um, each of them volunteer one day a year? That's 100 extra days with 100 firefighters where they volunteer. You volunteer in the community you live. How about volunteering for the community where you're receiving your paycheck? And uh, that, that didn't get much. And, I, and I'm not picking on the firefighters. I don't know that 
uh, I would have had any different uh, answer with our police officers or even our street department and other employees. And, I, and, it, and it really bothered me that uh, there was no connection between the, the situation they were facing um, with – and how, how – you know, what we were experiencing and how this affected the people that they were serving. Uh, but they realized it when you know they the, when it got to them. So uh, we we did throw that out, but unsuccessfully, uh, um, you know, it didn't get the response I wanted. What about the idea of of these smaller budgets? I mean, uh, are you unfairly taking criticism for the way that all of you are having to cut your budgets and decide? and pick and choose which services uh, like the cutting of the lawns in the park uh, that, that you have decided uh, and the city councils have decided will – which will stay and which will go? I mean is, is, there, is there unfair criticism about what you're picking when you are in fact cutting from the city budget? Well, I'll give you an example. Just when I started talking about doing away with leaf pickup in Terre Haute, I mean, I got a huge backlash. They think that's one of the most important things that we do. Um, it's amazing. And it costs – it did. I've got the cost down now a little bit. But it was costing us about $200,000 a year to pick up the leaves and extra cost in essence in overtime, fuel, and just repairs of the equipment. And they just don't quite understand that that's a premium service. That's not a typical – most communities, a lot of them have already done away with it. Terre Haute's had it for many years. And so you kind of get in that debate with their priorities seem to be a little different and they kind of forget what the focus of city government really is. And I've tried to do the best job I can to communicate that my primary activities are going to be public safety and taking care of the streets. That's the first three besides our wastewater treatment plant. That's where our the lesser cuts will be made. We're still going to be more efficient. We're going to make cuts, but some of the other areas are going to have to suffer more. And once again, I just don't think they've seen it yet, so people aren't feeling the impact. And that's what's difficult to sell this concept about you know what what you keep and what you don't. It's all about prioritizing and getting people to understand. And, and can you get some people involved to help you in the community by volunteering or stepping up? Yes, you can. But we're going through a transition right now, and I just think it's going to take a little bit longer and a little bit more pressure for people to to get it and, and move forward in a in a different model. We were talking during the break about the the regionalism that af- that affects all of your cities, and and in each case, uh, uh, outside of Indianapolis, each of you is a, a population center and uh, uh, the anchor of your your individual counties. Um, how does that affect um, what you're relied on for? I mean, there are other small communities around each one of you that rely individually on on Kokomo, on Bloomington, on Columbus, on Terre Haute. Uh, as you're making all these cuts and you're still trying to help your own constituents, uh, what concern do you have of those people who come from outside your community who come to work to uh, spend leisure time in your community? What what balance is there between those two ideas of, of how you spend and, and whom you, you pay attention to? Well, uh, in Kokomo, we've, uh, we, we feel like we are the hub for that, that region. Uh, but I probably think a little bit differently than, than some of my predecessors. Uh, just being uh, 35 miles from Noblesville, uh, 40, 45 miles from, from Indianapolis, um, I'm OK if, if some, at some point we're referred to as a, uh, the furthest north uh, suburb of Indianapolis and, and connected to the uh, Indianapolis economy. And we're fortunate enough we're only about 40 miles from uh, Lafayette and West Lafayette as well. So, so we, we are connected to, to those two regions in, in uh, some fashion. But we are the em, em, uh, employer. Uh, we, our city employs a lot of people in the Peru, Logansport, Marion, uh, even the Frankfurt area that come in and work. And, and as we've made these cuts, um, my focus has been on, on taking care of the, the, the advantages we have over a lot of people. We have a very beautiful uh, Indiana University campus. It has uh, offers a lot of uh, Purdue classes and, and, and some uh, degrees from Purdue. And we also have a very, uh, very large uh, Ivy Tech uh, presence in Kokomo as well as two hospitals, the, uh, a lot of Opportunities for shopping and such that that, that they don't uh, offer in some of the surrounding counties. So as we've made those cuts, um, I'm, I'm like uh, Mayor Bennett in Terre Haute. We have 33 parks in our in our park system. Um, if I could redraw that, I probably would uh, have a lot less um, and, and and focus on you know 15 or 16 really beautiful, uh, wonderful parks as opposed to 33. 
very nice parks. And uh, but but that's I don't have that luxury to redraw that. But uh, so I, as I make these cuts, I've. I've, I, I don't think the parks is, is a long-term uh, place to cut. I don't think uh, the uh, the amenities, um, the uh, beautification, the uh, re, you know, we need nice sidewalks, we need nice streets, and and so it's been a little bit of a shift. But I, as I've tried to get through with our city employees and some of the people in the community, it, it is in their law. The best thing I can do for uh, city employees. Um, is not a pay raise. It's not better health care. It's not more vacation time. It's job security, and you get job security by having a thriving economy. And that's that's uh, been our uh, our secret plan uh, all Dan, along. You know, that's what you've you know I've you've heard me kind of constantly harp, I suppose, on quality of life as economic development. I mean that 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 is just like these other cities. We're Bloomington is a hub, uh, an employment center, and in addition to Tightening the belt, eliminating services if necessary, certainly making them more cost efficient. Uh, on, on the flip side of that is increasing productivity in in the community, not just within city government. Uh, improving your local economy, and one way in which we're trying to do that is to to capitalize on the fact we've got the Bloomington campus here by you, uh, but also to make downtown Bloomington uh, a regional attraction. And uh, and I'm fine also if if people want to consider Indianapolis to be a suburb of Bloomington. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Well, that wouldn't. <laughs> and one way in which I think all of this long term will have to happen is going to be uh, through better public trans public transit. Whether that be you know people talk about high speed train, but pa- passenger rail is is the way I characterize it. And uh, you know we have been able to work with other communities that are looking at. At this, and um, we're, it's it's just the way the country grew. You know, we went with a highway system. Other countries went with rail, and there were different reasons for that. And it, you know, we can all bemoan the fact we're where we are now, but that's not going to get us anywhere. We need to talk about where we're going. And uh, you know, you look at the kind of connectivity we could have to other economies and to open our economy to other people um, in a much more efficient manner. That's where I would love to see us uh, making that investment as opposed to in, uh, continuing to roll that money over into what's become an antiquated, antiquated way of, of, of um, getting people from one place to another. Well, I guess I can follow up a little bit. Quality of life. Quality of life. Absolutely. That's one of the things when we visit uh, other uh, companies, maybe in Asia or wherever uh, – the things they want to know, the three main things uh, are education and they uh, they want to know about public safety and quality of life. What is your quality of life? You know, do you have nice parks? Uh, do you have a great hospital, which is a quality of life and things of this nature? And we've been blessed that, uh, you know, we've got a regional hospital and we're a regional financial center and uh, we're similar to Kokomo and Bloomington and, and around those areas. We have people who rely on us because of that, and we'll continue to do that. But once you start cutting a lot of the quality of life issues out of your community, you've taken the heart and soul out of many of them. And that's one thing I we've reduced it in some areas, but we're we're not doing away with it. But I think people do understand that that, that is an issue. This, the unfortunate thing, there are people who live in our communities, and we have a percentage of them that don't care about quality of life. They've lived here. They take things for granted. So not that they don't care. They take them for granted. And we're other people who come into our community. And just yesterday I had one that just – guy that said, this is unbelievable what you have to offer in a small community like Columbus. and. And, uh, you know, that's what you have to continue to, to work on and work with. And regionalism is great. We used to hide our head in the sand in Columbus. You know, in Columbus, hey, we're, we're the best and uh, we want every company to come to Columbus. Well, I'm still going to fight for companies in Columbus, but if I don't get them, maybe one of these three cities will, and that's good for Indiana. And let's get out into the regional area and work with other cities and other counties and see what we can do to combine our efforts. Let me ask you about that real quick, and then I want to get to another phone call or two. As the recession has has gone along, there's been – each of you has been courting business to come in, and a couple of you have gone overseas or out of the country. Um, 
what uh, is there a sense of of competition at all? It seems to me that beforehand you were just happy to have business come to Indiana. Now, do you need to have those businesses come to your cities individually? And and are there people uh, who you've talked to at at mayoral conferences or whatnot who are are maybe trying to uh, sneak a peek at your playbook to see that they can get business instead of you? Well, one thing we're trying to do um, is do more of a regional perspective. It's not all about just getting those jobs in Terre Haute. Yeah, that would be great. Make them taxpayers and bring those jobs to Terre Haute per se. But if we can get anything in the regional area, they're going to come to Terre Haute to do all their business anyway. So maybe some people live in Clay County or Sullivan or Parker Vermillion or even across in Illinois. The thing is, we all benefit from that. You know, we've got to have some growth. There's some new development going on at the former Army Army Ammunition Plant um, up in Newport, which is in Vermilion County. The company that's moving in there, it's likely that most of those scientists and engineers and that defense industry are going to live in Terre Haute and make that drive up there. That benefits both of our communities. And so the more we work together to draw them to West Central Indiana, that's how we all benefit. And I agree with Fred. If we get them to Indiana, that's good. If all of us benefit, that's awesome. But that regional approach, I think, is more successful because there is there's that bleed over. You do get the benefits, whether it's in your county or the next one over. It's going to help your city. It's going to help your county. And so my goal is more that regional thing, and we've had pretty pretty good success stories. At least I think there's some things coming. We've been able to lay something out that's a little bit different than what's been done in the past. I, I can say it. I mean, honestly, in Kokomo, yeah, I'm a little bit greedy. <laughs> but uh, with that being said, um, I think my role is to uh, tout the positives and, and showcase our city. Um, but I, w- I mean, I would never do anything to. Uh, to uh, it wouldn't be at the expense at of the expense city. of somebody else. No. And if we would, if we were competing with another part, another city in the state, and uh, they chose to go elsewhere, uh, you know, then then we then we need to look internally and see what we're not doing right um, and why we're losing these opportunities, and um, and and hopefully uh, make the adjustments and learn from it and uh, and make improvements upon ourselves. Um, it's very interesting. I had uh, Morton Marcus up in Kokomo uh, just uh, last week. Uh, it came up and uh, – well, it was Monday. Excuse me. I get my time mixed up. He came up, had lunch with us. spent about three hours and we talked about some of the things we were doing um, in, in Kokomo. And, and uh, you know, we've had a – slowly we have uh, become one of those uh, – one of the, the worst in the state for having – uh, a lot of jobs in our community, but when people uh, get off work uh, and uh, they go and live in another county, and that's what we're working on. There are, and we had this discussion. There are only certain things I can control, um, and and the quality of life. Um, uh, that's one of the things that I can't. I do have a, a lot of uh, influence on, and that's what we're trying to. You know, it doesn't do us any good to bring a hundred jobs to the community, and only seven, seventy-five of those. People uh, raise their families in Kokomo. The other 25 uh, choose to live elsewhere. So we need to, to make sure that uh, we make our city a place where people want to live and those small uh, businesses, which are uh, a large uh, portion of the future job growth, will uh, at least if, – if they don't locate in Kokomo, they'll, they'll consider us and we'll be in the running and, and, and we'll at least have uh, at-bats uh, to, uh, to get them. So. I think it, that's a very good point in terms of you – know, you, uh, yes, there's, uh, there's absolutely a competitiveness and I don't think anybody who runs for office isn't a competitive person by nature. Uh, but it's not done at the expense of some, some – it's not, not done to, uh, to subvert someone else's efforts. You, you, know, you try to make your – Put your best foot forward and and earn it. Uh, I, I think well, I liked what Fred had to say in terms of someone who might locate just outside your city or even outside your county, but is a but is a, a large employer. You know that is going to feed your community, so you don't really see that as lost. Things I do see as the ones that are the hardest to take are if a company goes out of business. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's the obvious economic impact. There's a psychological impact too uh, to to a community. The other thing, though, that I view as even greater success sometimes than bringing in a new company, it's expanding an existing company. Mm-hmm. And that's where you've got somebody who's already here, likes what they see enough that they are going to reinvest in themselves and stay in a community. And so uh, we've had that mix here. You look at a, a Baxter, um, a Bioconvergence, Cook, Cook Pharmaca. And when Cook Pharmaca stays here, you know, that's – that's something that is absolutely a, a success story for the community, not just for the company. 
You know, that's, some, that's a group that already knows what the quality of our schools, libraries, public safety, our water supply, whatever it might be. They trust enough what's happening in this community. They want to stay here and expand. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I view as uh, a real victory that's not at the expense of someone else not getting something. I mean, you're, you're expanding productivity and uh, opportunity for jobs in your own community. I just want to add to that it, 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 the competitive part, uh, and I wanted to make sure I get this plug in because Mayor Cruzan and his staff a, a couple months ago, myself and a, and a couple of our department heads came down here and spent uh, the better part of the day um, with some of the department heads from the uh, city of Bloomington and, and uh, Denise Alano Martin. I, I asked the mayor's permission if I could give her a plug. She was great. She is the uh, director of uh, economic uh, st- st- sustainability development, and. But his director of planning, they spent time with us. We did a walkthrough of, of, of the arts district and, and on the uh, the uh, B line. And, and I just want to say we, they were very open to share their successes with us. Um, and only you know, in, instead of trying to hide, uh, keep everything a secret, they were they were did a great job of sharing that information. And and um, and Bloomington's one of those cities. I don't make it to to Columbus or Terre Haute uh, as often because my wife, uh, you know, she's an IU law grad, so she loves to come down here. But uh, we, we do. We enjoy our time down here and, and I think they've, uh, you know, they've uh, hit a couple of uh, home runs when it comes to uh, quality of life. Let me, let me spend our last couple of minutes on today's program addressing what, what might be the 800-pound uh, the gorilla in the room. We've talked about all these challenges and, and how your cities are facing them and with the exception of Mayor Armstrong who long ago decided this was his last go-round. Anything that stops the other three of you from running for re-election and trying to address some of these problems that you've put in so much effort trying to solve? All right. Who wants um, to announce first? <laughs> well, uh, well, the only thing is uh, I, I'll, I'll have to make that decision in about three or four months. Um, just some – there there could be one or two things that would uh, – my wife has uh, had some health issues and we'll, we'll see how that uh, – only with her blessing will I uh, decide to do that and I don't have to make that decision for a few months. So. Sure. Mayor Cruzan? Oh, I, I absolutely see nothing but reason to do it. And you know, it's interesting. Of all the things that have been said today, uh, Greg Goodnight saying how much better he feels this year than he did relative to last year really says it all to me. I mean, the challenge that that a community that uh, many of the communities have had in terms of the loss of manufacturing sector just almost overnight um, really – is a heartening thing to know that we not only have faced these challenges, but we also have incredible opportunities to make a difference. Mayor Bennett, real quick. Well, I would just say that uh, I'm, I love my job. I'm challenged by it, which is very exciting for me. It's very tough times. I mean, it really is, just to be perfectly honest. But there'd be no reason for me not to, to seek another four years because I'm just now starting to get some things done, you know, and it takes that. And I'm it sure does. every mayor will tell That's you right. that first term is takes a while and you start ramping up. We need more time to get some good stuff done in Terre Haute. Well, my thanks to the four of you for coming in. Uh, I know that uh, I enjoy talking to each of you on a weekly basis, and it's nice to see all of you once a year. And I, I'm thankful for that you've, you've all been able to make it back for a second consecutive year. So thanks for being here. And uh, for Mike Pashkash, for John Shelton, for Ariana Prothero, I'm Stan Jastrzewski saying thanks for listening to this special Ask All the Mayors Noon Edition here on WFIU. <laughs> Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.